Go Loud Selects. Brought to you by Sky. Watch new exclusive and unmissable content only on Sky. Listen. Observe. Shh. Shut up. I can hear a blue bottle. Listen. Can't record there's a blue bottle in the room. Oh, there's a door. Is that an impression of a blue bottle? Sound like Lionel Blair running through the room on a skateboard. Let's do it! Well, 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 we are coming in hot for another episode of Go Lad Selects. <laughs> We're like burning up on re-entry. It is Go Lad Selects with Simon Delaney and Aidan Power. It is a Go Lad production, a Go Lad original, and is brought to you proudly by Sky. Very good. <sighs> 10 out of 10. Jesus, it's warm, isn't it? I'm actually just going to throw it over myself. So you're in your sweat box. I am in mine. Oh, man. And equally sweaty is our producer, John, who oh, is uh, with Hey, us. Johnny. In spirit. It's very hot, lads, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> the obvious. Oh, my Jesus. I hate you. Got a air conditioned Simon, you were a big celeb. It was like you had all that kind of stuff sorted. I've got the window beside me, but if I, open it, if, I open, if I open that window beside me, you'll hear kids, dogs, and ice cream bands. That sounds like a musical, actually. Yeah. Kids, dogs, and ice cream bands. Somewhat professional sounding podcast. We've all closed our windows, obviously. And, uh, and now we're sweating. It's just it's like fun. we're doing this live from three different saunas across Dublin. We should have a temperature on the saunas. <laughs> anyway, Christ. people didn't come here to uh, listen didn't. to us about the weather because they're doing it themselves anyway. They want to know what's out there to watch and listen to, Ada. What are we starting with, brother? Okay, well, Brian, Brian Lloyd will join us uh, shortly <laughs> with uh, some recommendations uh, from the big screen for the cinema. Uh, if you want to hide away from the hot weather inside the cinema, we'll find out what exactly. he's got. Uh, but Sky this week want to recommend and indeed remind you that you can enjoy uh, a mountain a heap of entertainment with paramount plus a plethora oh, how about that of baby, entertainment baby, because, baby. as you pointed out to us on the podcast a few weeks ago so you were ahead of the game paramount plus is now included with sky cinema and At it's no extra cost no extra cost so it's just a magic and not only ado not only are there some brilliant new shows on there like the offer which we discussed at length john i'm coming back to you on that i mean i want an update you any of us uh but there's some great um as i say there's new telly on there the new star trek is on there there's also their entire back catalogue of movies like and over the last week alone i've watched the odd couple oscar you're asking to hear something i don't want to say but if i do say it i think you ought to hear it you got anything on your chest besides your chin, you better get it off. I watched mm. Chinatown. So he screws her for a little bit, and then he stops, and he goes out of the room, and he reads Life magazine. <laughs> then he goes back in, he starts screwing again, he says, excuse me for a minute, honey, and he goes out and he smokes a cigarette. Now his wife is getting sore as hell. <laughs> he comes back in the room, he starts screwing again, he gets up to start to leave again to go look at the moon. She looks at him and says, hey, what's the matter with you? You're screwing just like a Chinaman. <laughs> Uh, there are some I watched internal affairs. I want you to kill my mother and father. What? Rudy said 15,000. Absolute belters on there. You know, when you actually get to the point where there's nothing on, I'm telling you now, boys and girls, mm-hmm. get onto Paramount Plus. And just browse the entire library and you will find something you want to watch. And if you haven't started with it yet, start with the offer. 
Yeah, and we can. Oh, yeah, like that's got to be top of the list. Absolutely got to be top of the list. It's so good you're rewatching it, right? I've finished it. I've already I've done it twice. Yeah, I've done it twice. John, can we have an update from you, please, as to whether you've dived in yet to the world of the uh, I have dived in. Uh, boat feed first. I'm on episode six. Wowzers. Well, Man, John, are, you, are you on the boat with us? I, I am in hog heaven, really, if I'm honest. Oh, uh, yeah. It's very enjoyable, beautifully made. Yeah. I'm obviously following all the kind of strands. I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy did this and they, yeah, they did yeah. that. Um, some great scenes that scene you might have mentioned previously Simon when they're all in the restaurant assembling oh, the cast it's incredible it's, in it's all coming together incredible so just for and, anyone and who's who's not watching or indeed watching it I know if you've not watched it but like, oh, this is too specific I don't know what you're talking about but that scene in the restaurant Simon you had mm. teed that up for us so I knew it was coming and I was really looking forward to it yeah. but what my stupid little brain didn't understand and maybe you can you can tell me uh, rightly or wrongly mm. were, were they acting as the characters was that the first time they were like I think yeah, I've often been at a couple of things like that where the director will put all the actors in a room together for the first time it's and just like see in, what happens. Improv, kind of. And just see what, just see if the chemistry's there. Because remember, The Godfather is a movie about family. It's all about family. And when he, they went to painstaking lengths to, you know, they had specific casting choices that they wanted Coppola and uh, our ready, our Rudy, the producer. And they wanted to make sure when they got them all together that they weren't going to tear each other's hair, hair out. They weren't, you know, they were going to be a family. Mm-hmm. So they brought them to dinner because what better way to see how a family behaves than around a dinner table. So they book a table in PJ Clark's in New York City, just invited them. And Albert Rudy's there, the producer, Coppola's there. And then all the actors arrive. Fellow playing, you know, James Caan and uh, Marlon Brando, oh, Al Pacino. And Coppola just sort of sits back and watches. And the first thing he notices is where they're going to sit. So obviously the Godfather would sit at the head of the table and he does that. And the rest of them fall in, in seniority. And if you notice, they sit in the exact order they sat in the movie. So when he oh. saw that, obviously he said, this is the way it works. Jimmy Caan was closer to Sonny. You know, Michael was down the table, down the table because he's not in the business. And it's just, it, 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 there's about three minutes of dialogue, you know, about they're making up things about food and weight and diet. And it just has cuts to the fellow playing couple and he's gone, oh, we're in fucking business. Here. Yeah. It's just he, gorgeous. He yeah. That's it's it. It's, it's gorgeous. an amazing, amazing scene. And now, uh, yeah, you're right. They are just. Uh, assuming those characters for for those few yeah, minutes. and they're just being actors. They're just improv and they're going with it. Because if, if you're sitting at a table and Marlon Brando starts improvising, you go with it. <laughs> go with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Great stuff. All right, that's this week's uh, bit. This on week's the ode offer. to the offer. <laughs> but Paramount Plus, I'm telling you, it's such a wealth of new stuff, new shows, new movies. There's documentaries on there. But their back catalogue of movies, movies that haven't been on, like you know, TV platforms for years because of rights mm. issues, they're all there, uh, and you well, will some, dive some in. New stuff as well that I want to give a mention to if you're if you're oh, just yeah. getting started with it and you're looking uh, for the place to start. Simon's giving you some good movie recommendations that are all on Paramount Plus. There's also a brilliant series called The First Lady. Uh, Viola yeah. Davis uh, is playing Michelle Obama. Michelle Pfeiffer uh, is playing Betty Ford. Gillian Anderson plays Eleanor Roosevelt. There's one season of it up there, 10 episodes in total, and each leading uh, actor, actress playing uh, a leading first lady as well, if that makes sense. Very good. 
Yeah. Uh, there's also The Man Who Fell to Earth. Now, that's obviously based on the, the 1963 book of the same name. Yeah, that's one that I've seen on the menu. Should I dive in, Ado? What's, yeah, a, what's well, the gig here? It's a sequel to the, the film of it that was made in that's 1976, right, yeah. which uh, starred David Bowie. Now, this is a, a series, um, and it stars, and forgive me if I'm not going to get his name exactly correct, Cheatwell Ijifor. Cheatwell Ijifor. I said it twice, I said it the same, uh, but you know who he is. Uh, anyway, he plays an alien, he arrives on planet Earth, and then the sublime Bill Nighy uh, plays the role that uh, Bowie played in the original film in 76. Amazing. There you go. Again, as I say, like uh, you're saying there's new stuff there. I mean, you can just dive in with that and then go back and look at the old stuff. It's just, it's a film and, film and television buffs paradise, it really is. You spoil for choice. Get on it, boys and girls. You've done everything for me. If it weren't for you, I don't know what would have happened to me. You took me in here. You gave me a place to live. You gave me something to live for. I'm never going to forget you for that, Oscar. I was going to recommend uh, two two shows, uh, but oh. one of them I watched, and I was I was slightly tipsy, and I can't remember a huge amount about it. All you I will drunk? Say, hey, hey, you drunk? It was, it was the weekend and I, and I had cause for celebration uh, that, that included sitting down to watch a documentary on Netflix about the uh, <laughs> Apollo 13 near disaster, which of course was uh, yeah. uh, made into a movie. Uh, it's a documentary and it's called 13 Reasons Why uh, Apollo 13 Didn't Blow Up. That's roughly the title. It's on Netflix. It's very, very good. Um, I can't remember all the reasons why it didn't blow up, but uh, there was a huge sequences of bad things that happened and then an incredible amount of good fortune to bring those uh, three astronauts back from 250,000 miles away from planet Earth in basically a banjaxed um, spaceship. Let me put it this way. The trajectory may be off, the thrusters may be frozen, their guidance system might be malfunctioning, their heat shield could be cracked, and their parachutes might be three blocks of ice. Clearly, we have some obstacles to overcome. Okay, well, now I'm asking you, when will we know? Blackout lasts for three minutes. If they're not back in four, we'll know. Very good. I rewatched the movie recently, start to finish. Christ, what a movie. What a story. You know, I watched it. I watched it during fucking one of the lockdowns. It's an incredible film. Um, Tom Hanks is, you know, amazing. Um, But it's, yeah, it's an incredible story. And uh, do you know what's interesting as well, even like when you, because we all know of Apollo 13 because of the film and because of the near disaster. But like after Apollo 11, no one remembers Apollo 12. And apparently even no. when Apollo 13 was happening, the public were so kind of bored and over space That's missions. Right. And particularly in America, Vietnam was at its lowest ebb and people were far more concerned with that. They were like, um, they were ringing up the TV channels, giving out yeah. when the, their favorite programs were being interrupted with updates from the spaceship. Mm. And it was only when it started going tits up that the public went, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and that's yeah, touched on in the movie, this. isn't it? The, the, the TV crews are, are not there, but when, when it goes sideways, all of a sudden they're all, the world's pressing on our doorstep. Yeah, you can talk kind to my of, husband. He'll be home in a couple of days. It's a great, yeah, great it's brilliant. Life. But it's mad to think like if you were, you know, like the third or the fourth man to walk on the moon. Yeah, yeah. No one even really gives a shit. You know? And in terms of the doco, is it a feature length or is it a series, Aiden? No, it's a feature length documentary, so it's a good hour, hour and a half. Yeah, that's, that's really good. If you if you enjoy space and uh, there's great drama in it because that obviously nearly went wrong and to see how they, yeah. you know, in a very uh, hodgepodge kind of way, managed to figure out how to get yeah. them back to Earth in a very, <clears throat> you know, it was like sticky back plastic and pipe cleaners kind of way. Oh, it was a miracle. There's no doubt about yeah. it. Be the worst disaster NASA's ever experienced. With all due respect, sir, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. 
Yeah, you so said anyway, you had um, a double whammy this week. That's only one. Yeah. That's the second so one. The, this one, I was so sober when I watched this. Um, oh. Although you could nearly think you were drunk watching it because it's so kind of offbeat. It's a, it's a film. Uh, it's a film you can watch on YouTube. It was made in 2010 and it's called Four Lions. Four Lions. Oh. So nothing to do with the rugby, right? It's, uh, okay. it's a British black comedy and it's directed and written by uh, the incomparable Chris Morris. He of the day to day. Wow. Brass Eye yeah, and yeah. many other various yeah. satire, satirical programs. And, and uh, in terms of it being satire, it's described as, wait for it, jihadi satire. Look, the way to stop the feds tracking you is very simple. You eat your SIM card. Get your SIM cards out. You remove the SIM card. And, yes? Can I cook mine? No, you must eat it raw, like this. He is satirizing uh, suicide bombers. Wow, okay. And is, did you say it's on YouTube? So that's, that's where I have to watch it. Yeah, and now I pay, I, I rented it on YouTube. I'm sure there's ways if, if you don't like parking yeah, with your money. Yeah. Support the arts, uh, you can, but we don't recommend that. Um, four lines. That sounds very four. up my street. I love Chris Morris. Number, number four, as opposed to F-O-U-R. So basically it follows four. Uh, not, so, not so bright lads. They're from Sheffield and they've been... <laughs> radicalized and they aspire to become suicide bombers and um, in their efforts to do so some of them travel to uh, an al-qaeda camp in pakistan and then the other uh, the others who remain in sheffield start to plot and plan where they're going to blow up and top of their list is a mosque they want to blow up a mosque well, and they also want to blow up yeah. a boots chemist <laughs> there's some just like absolute farcical scenes in it where they're they're training to become suicide bombers uh one of their harebrained ideas is they're they're trying to train a, a blackbird a crow uh, to be a bomber <laughs> which has disasters oh, and in terms of the cast any names there we'd know either. yeah uh, nigel Lindsay. Um, ah, brilliant so yeah. he plays this guy called barry who's like a lad from Sheffield, but he's a convert and he's the founder of the uh, Islamic state of Tinsley, which is the <laughs> state or whatever within Sheffield that, that they live. Oh, Benedict randomly appears in it. At, really? At a point as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's hugely farcical. But in saying that, it's with Chris Morris, there's always, you know, an edge to his stuff. And he's yeah. got no fear of satirizing sensitive topics, which we've seen. He's in- the king of satire. I mean, yeah. and, and the day to day was groundbreaking. Yeah. So this kind of is, it's like a takedown, if you want to put it that way, of uh, the stupidity of fanaticism, really of any kind, but in obviously in its ultra extreme forms. Uh, oh, I have to get on that. Just that sounds absolutely you know, It was made in 2010 with the way the world is now, and a lot has happened in, in that decade. Um, it'd, be, it'd be hard to see a film like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, being made yeah. in the way it was these days, I just think it just might be a little bit on PC yeah. for for too many people. But it yeah. is terribly funny. Okay. Four lines, yeah. It's kind of unbridled, um, not afraid to crack jokes that you might think sometimes, but you dare not say. They can see you everywhere, Wedge. Are they looking at us through cameras? Space cameras, yes. What? My dad says I'm not supposed to be on camera. It's haram. With the greatest of respect, Fessel, your dad eats newspaper. Not anymore. He eats moths. Exactly, bro. Love us. That's two for the price of one from the... Well, one and a half. One and a half. But drunk and vague recollection. If these lads went up in this uh, spaceship, <sighs> they nearly died. <laughs> and then these other right. four lads are trying to bomb a boots chemist. I'll hand uh, it JC, <laughs> what have you got? 
What have you got for us this week? I have something a bit different in terms of that I've been doing a lot of kind of comedy and light stuff whenever recommendations come up on the podcast. I thought, I want a bit of darkness, a bit of murder, a bit of prison. So there's a very good new show on Apple TV. You're in a dark place at the moment, John. It's the heat getting to you. Yeah, I think I just needed something to, yeah, something to cast a bit of a shadow. It's too, too much cannot noises. be a prison drama. I'm a huge fan, John. What do you recommend? And tell me there's a new one out there for me to get into. There is a new one out there for you to get into. Yes. It's called Blackbird on Apple TV. My uh, wife was watching it today and she said, Si, you have to watch this. This is your this is your bag. Really? Is it good? It is good. I'm two episodes in. It's kind of an episode coming out every week. I think there's three out at this point. Good cast. Mm. You have Taron Edgerton in there. Greg Kinnear, oh. Ray Liotta in his last role. Um, wow. Quite poignant. Um, yeah. He's very good as well. He plays Taron Edgerton's dad. And to kind of give you the quick synopsis, uh, this guy James, played by Taron Edgerton, he's like a kind of coke dealer on the make in the early 90s. We see him getting busted, put into jail, takes a plea bargain, ends up kind of being lied to and is looking at 10 years minimum. So he's not happy. No. And they kind of, him and Haw, Greg Kinnear and uh, this very good actress, uh, Sepaday uh, Mofi. She plays uh, an FBI agent called Janice. They've been trying to basically pin a lot of murders on Larry Hall is the character's name, played by Paul Walter Hauser. You'll see him in a lot of stuff, kind of dumpy, sad sack looking guy, very good American actor, but he has a real menace about him in this. He's convicted for killing a couple of young women and they think he's killed a good 10 or 12 more. So they hatched this plant plan to basically get Taron Edgerton's character beside him in what is essentially a maximum security kind of nut house to get those kind of, uh, yeah, get the information, the burial places, et cetera, out of him. Because I think as it is, he himself got a good deal and he's not going to be in jail all that long. Uh, So Edgerton is popular, engaging, you know, all the the stuff that works for him on the outside works for him on the inside as well. So they think, look, you're a man here get cozy up to this psychopath and see how he get on. And uh, that's kind of what he's decided. It took him a while. They don't like go straight into it. It takes him a while to, to kind of get on board with it. But uh, he's now doing that now, I think in episode two. Again, not really any spoilers, but a lot of the action splits between kind of 1993 when he's initially banged up and around 1996 when Greg Kinnear is uncovering more and more murders that are probably hinting at this guy having committed a lot of murders as opposed to just the two that uh, he I think kind of circumstantial evidence and a few other bits and pieces kind of lead him to signing a confession, but they think he's a total monster. It's very well, dark. That sounds the business. I have to be honest with you. I think we could all okay. do with a bit of darkness in our life. That sounds yeah, really yeah, good, John. Yeah. Uh, not least the, the strength of the cast, the yeah. the subject material, the storyline. Oh, yeah. yeah and twist, this thing, it's, and you'll probably like this, Simon. It's based on a true story. Mm. Loving it. Uh, and and I, when you see that, you kind of take it with a pinch of salt. But now a lot of these people are still alive. A lot of time and effort went into getting this story right. So is this in some kind of thrown together, cheapo Netflix thingy? It's very, it's a kind of a prestige drama. It takes its time. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I've been looking for something to kind of fill the void of Mindhunter, which I loved on Netflix. I thought it was I a great show. I still haven't watched it. I still haven't watched it. Oh my God, you love that. That's brilliant. Okay. Yeah. I knew a week before she died, I was going to kill her. She went out to a party. She got soused. She came home alone. I asked her how her evening went. She just looked at me. She said for seven years... He said, I haven't had sex with a man because of you, my murderous son. 
Paul Walter Hauser is in it as well. Mm. He turns up in a lot of stuff. He can do like very broad comedy, weird character stuff. Uh, he can do kind of sidekick stuff. He he was in a Clint Eastwood film where he played the guy who I think he averted a bombing. Richard Jewell. Yeah. He was yeah. this kind of low level, you know, happy go lucky security guard, but he wanted to be a lot more than that. And yeah, and did. That was a real life story uh, about a guy who, who as you say, averted a bombing at the, at the, uh, the Olympics, was it? I think it was the Olympics or maybe a marathon. I'm not sure, but either way, he becomes this unlikely hero. His physicality is how lucky. It just he he always hints at these kind of you know you can't really judge him by how he looks. Like his characters are always a bit deeper. Um, mm. But in this, he plays a very disturbing individual. Um, I'm all over that, Jenny. And you've reminded yeah, me like to go that. back and start and watch Mindhunter as well. She's their cracking recommendations. I, I have to live up to that now, don't I? You do, you do. Um, and I must say as well, just on that, the kind of. And I was, I think it's kind of dropped off a cliff in recent times, just prison dramas in general. I think yeah. they're all, I thought, well, obviously, you know, Orange is New Black is very good. But before that, you're going back to like Oz on HBO 97. Did you that watch Escape great. from Donna I haven't never seen that now. That. No. Donna Mora. never. Is that never Italian? I'm going to have to go Escape. You do from... that one. I'm going to throw in Prison Break. Was anyone a fan of that? <clears throat> No, no. Oh, John, don't pull that face, you fucking snob. <laughs> Would you look but down on me? It went on for a while, that, that show. It did. It was five seasons. They actually, um, like it was out in the mid-early, mid-Nazis, let's say, maybe even earlier. But the, And then they revived it uh, about five years ago for one season. And it, uh, I think they went, oh, okay, this ship has sailed. But in its day, Prison Break, Wentworth Miller, brilliant. So this fella, Simon, his brother, is wrong. Oh, I know about this, yeah. Cack, bang, absolute cack. And then he, puts himself into the prison to break him yeah, out. He's got the, the prison tattooed all over his Meanwhile, body. back at Escape at Danamora. Yeah, I don't know how the two of you's, how have you missed this? I'm down there every night. I'm cutting the piping. I'm doing the work. And all you do is sleep. Nobody knows about a marriage, except the people in the marriage, and sometimes even they don't know. So you want to be part of my dream? Yes. Say it. I want to be a part of your dream. 2018 it came out on Sky Atlantic, seven episode series. John, you have to watch this. This is uh, directed by Ben Stiller, starring Benicio Del Toro, Patricia Arquette, Paul Dano, uh, Eric Lang and uh, David Morse. It is fantastic. It's a Is that a film? Yeah, no, TV series. TV oh. series, Escape at Danamora. Get on at Sky Atlantic. Come back to me and tell me. You give me mine under, I'll give you Escape at Danamora. That's the way this thing fucking works. You know what I'm saying? Over here, get out of here. Um, anyway. A good trade, yeah. Uh, okay, I can, I, can I offer another one? Go on. Prisoner Cell Block H. Yeah. Who yeah. didn't stay up late when they were a young flat watching that one? No. I remember. What, yeah, that's was, time to go to bed like, when that came was, on. Yeah, yeah, it was. And then, do you remember the I've theme song as well? Used to give me roses. He used to give me roses. I wish he could again. But that was on the outside. And things were different then. Like, it was almost like a soap, wasn't it? Like the sex. It was like Fair City in a prison. Yeah, it was. Yeah, with B, B. Smith was there. She was it the screw was who went around with these black leather gloves all the time. And uh, yeah. there was someone else called the Freak. 
And they just used oh, to terrorize yeah. the fucking prisoners. Yeah. Well, yeah. it wasn't a holiday campaign. It was a prison. They were there to, for a reason. You know. Bring back prisoners to blockade. It wasn't a dare manner they were going to. You know what I mean? Right. From our respective sweat boxes to his, it's time to uh, welcome once again to the podcast our, our dear friend, Sweaty Brian Lloyd from entertainment.ie. Not of Lloyd's Pharmacy by any chance. And you could give us some uh, health tips in this uh, heat wave, Brian, no? No, I'm not Lloyd's Bank either, so I can't give you any money either, in fact. You're not related to Christopher Lloyd, are you? No, not related to him. Although, no, in saying that, though, there's apparently there's a Wikipedia article about my great-great-grand-uncle. So, mm-hmm. there you go, you can look and that up. And who's he? What's, what's Richard, his claim to fame? Uh, Richard Mounsell Lloyd. He built a load of um, railway bridges and stuff like that. He was like, he was born in Rohini and he, yeah, he was a famous railway engineer. All our family are all railway people. That's cool. So I'm going to make a documentary about him. He'd be, that'd be right up your street. Well, side, wouldn't it? the best minds in the world come from Rohini. I can attest to that. Yeah, that's how all our family, all my, yeah. uh, all my dad's family are all deep, deep Rohini. We're there since like the, uh, literally yeah. the 1800s and stuff. Like my dad he used to work for Charlie Hockey. Really? Like, so. Okay, oh, you, you lost us there. Right. Um, oh, what yeah. about the, the, other, the only other Lloyd I can think of is uh, Daniela Lloyd. Are you related to her? Is she the one that was in FHM one of those or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh no, yeah. she was um she was married to somebody. Who was it? She was married to a football or something, wasn't it? That's your claim to fame. I married a married a rich fella. She was what about like, Harold she's Lloyd? a multi talented celebrity. Right. Okay. And what Harold, Harold Lloyd, Lloyd? Yeah, Har- no, no, I'm not related to Harold Lloyd at all. All right. Harold who's the Lloyd. most who's the most famous Lloyd in your family, with the, with the exception of yourself? Um uh my brother uh was in a was in a pretty big band in the 2010s planet parade they were called i mean wow yeah i mean planet parade planet parade they were called yeah they were going around the 2010s they were like they did like they they played some fairly big gigs like i mean they're they're out they're out oxygen and stuff like that and they did um they did support for ellie gould and and they were on the radio quite a bit like um and what happened i mean he uh, it's a very, very long, complicated story that we can go into another time when there aren't, when there isn't a podcast going on here. Yeah, I wonder is he sitting doing a podcast somewhere? Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. I can tell you this right now for nothing. Uh, and pardon my language, he fucking hates, and I underline this, hates uh, podcasts with a passion. Oh, he thinks dear. they're oh, just self indulgent. He hates you. I mean, we don't get on. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we don't get on. But um, he this hated... week on Therapy Hour, we talked yeah. about Brian and his brother. Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, and his name is Andrew as well. So it's Andrew, Andrew Lloyd. Lloyd. So he was just wow. destined to work in music. Yeah. Of course but, he um, was. Yeah. Or yeah. spiders. Yeah. Or spiders. Yeah. Um, the web was his name when, he, when we were growing up. Oh, but, um, I love it. Yeah. There you go. I love it. All right. Well, that was I mean, a nice little, um, nice little detour. Yeah. Side Street of Brian's uh, life, a little sliver of it. More on that next week. I'm sure people are like, no, no, I want to know more about your Please brother, don't. your Please uncle, don't. and the railways. All right. Uh, what, a, what a week to go to the cinema. I've heard uh, across the world, people have been jamming into the cinemas, uh, not necessarily for the film or the popcorn, but just to get to get out of the heat and get into the air con. That's you true. Know, one of us have it in our gaff. There's no air conditioning in the cinemas in Ireland. I like James yeah. Son. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Oh, no, they, they've done it now. I mean, you're right about like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, Aircon and the cinema in Ireland was like completely unnecessary. But now they have them. They definitely do have them. And in fact, yeah, well, they mightn't turn them on, though. 
No, well, I mean, I know um, The Lighthouse and I know the IFI both had, because I went to see Misery in The Lighthouse uh, on Sunday and had the aircon on full blast and it was glorious. Well, I went, to see, I went to see Elvis in the pavilions and it was like Misery sitting there. I was expecting someone to go up they the didn't tower, have... like, you know what I mean? Jesus, no. really? Okay, well, that's bad. No, it was lovely, it was lovely climate. But anyway, what did you go and see in the air-conditioned cinemas of Ireland this week? Uh, I went to see two films. Uh, one is Where the Crawdads Sing, which is based on the novel by Delia Owens. Any is familiar with it? Um, no. 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 Okay. Well, I mean, it was released four years ago and it became like a best-selling, one of the best-selling novels of all time. So essentially what's going on in this one is, is uh, Daisy, Daisy Edgar Jones, who people will know from normal people, uh, she plays this a woman who was essentially left abandoned in the marsh of uh, North Carolina by her family. Um, her father was this, you know, abusive drunk or whatever, um, who was beating up her mother. The mother eventually left, and then her brothers and sister, sisters left, and then she was left alone with him, and then eventually he just disappeared. So she was abandoned, effectively, but managed to fend for herself. She grows up and she becomes a naturalist, which is not a, a naturist, which is like a nudie person. A naturalist is like the person that goes out and, you know, um, you know, draws pictures of like uh, trees and, and vegetation and birds and plants and all the rest of it. And uh, she is accused of the murder of a local kind of a local shithead, like a local quarterback kind of prom king kind of guy. A jock. And a jock, yeah, exactly, a jock. Um, she's accused <clears throat> of the murder, but because she's kind of known in the town as the Marsh Girl, there's all this sort of prejudice about her, and really the whole film is, it kind of cuts between the trial, her murder trial, and then the relationship she had with another man who lived nearby in the Marsh, and then the relationship she had with this local jock. Um, the best way I could describe this is... is have you ever, have either of you read um, L.A. Confidential, the book? No. No. Do you know yeah, what happened, it. actually? I'm a huge fan of the film. Yeah. Well, if you read the book, right, it is, I would say, the thinnest adaptation of the, of the book and the film are completely different. Like, okay. there are just huge, like, the same characters are there or whatever. And the general kind of idea of the story is there, but... There are different parts of the book that have just been completely cut out of the film. And then subsequently stuff from the film that isn't the book was added in by itself. I guess what I'm getting at is, is that the best adaptations from novels to films, um, they understand that you cannot just copy and paste the entire book onto screen and hope that it will work because it's a completely different format. Like, you know, in books or whatever, like there's, much more of a rich inner life for the characters. You can really kind of go into their headspace. Whereas on a film, you don't have that luxury. You have to try and kind of put it all on screen. <clears throat> and what this film does badly is it just takes the entire the entire book, the entire text of it, and just fucks it on the screen and just lets it all out. And it doesn't have any of the subtlety. It doesn't have any of the nuance and it loses all the atmosphere. It's just throwing everything at the screen. So should, that, it, should it have been a TV series? No, see, that's just it. I don't even think it's not even that it should have been a TV series. Like it's not that it needs more, more time, time to explore. It's that it doesn't, 
explore what's in the book in any kind of meaningful way. It's just very, very shallow. It's like this happens, that happens, that happens, that happens. But it doesn't delve into it in any kind of meaningful way. And like, it's a shame because it has a really good cast. So if you had read the book, um, would I be right in saying you're not going to enjoy this film? However, then if you hadn't read the book, it mightn't, uh, you, you won't know what you know, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, like, I think even if you hadn't read the book, you would still get that this film is just very shallow, like, because it's just constantly moving forward. It's constantly, it doesn't kind of stop and kind of give any of the characters room to breathe, if you know that sort of way. Like, the cast, for example, like, you have Daisy Edgar-Jones, she's the main character in it, and she gets all of the screen time. And that's okay, because the book is kind of told from her perspective. But... All the other character, all the other uh, characters and actors in it, like you have David Strathairn, you have Garrett Hedlund, you have Harris Dickinson. They are all just kind of reduced to two dimensions, really. Like, like I said, like you know, the local jock or whatever. The guy he's played by Harris Dickinson. He's just playing him like you've seen every single mm. jock character. David Strathairn is this sort of good-natured lawyer. He's playing like Atticus Finch. He's playing. Henry Fonda and 12 Angry Men. Like, the, literally the first time you see him, he's wearing, like, the white suit from 12 Angry Men. Like, it's that fucking obvious. Like. So the central performances don't save it. <clears throat> um, does anything save it? Or is it, I mean, like, I'm Daisy fearing Edgar- for its rating here. Yeah, like, I mean, Daisy Edgar-Jones is the best thing about it. I think, like, she's a really, really good actor. And I think this proves she can carry a film by herself. Mm. That being said this isn't the film I would say to launch her kind of her, her as a solo. movie star. Yeah. 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 Because like she's much better than the film, put mm. it that way. She's much better than the film. And it I always amazes me when they sign up for stuff like this, because clearly the script has to attract the actor mm. and she's clearly a very smart individual and her people around her would have discussed the script and all that. So do you think maybe it gets lost in translation? I've done it myself in movies and scripts are brilliant, but the end result is muck. Yeah, I think that's it. I think, like, uh, like the book was such a big hit. The book mm. was so big. And who wrote the screenplay? Was the author involved? Or no, not at all. And that's and, and funny you should say that, because normally yeah. that would be the thing, isn't it? Like Absolutely, when, yeah. When the author adapts the screenplay, they don't know which, to, they become kind of too precious mm. about it, you know, that sort of way, and they fuck everything but they'd, be, but they'd at least be given a pass at maybe the first draft of the script, or at least to provide notes on one of the first yeah. or second draft, you know? And what about director? Who's, whose hands was it in? It was uh, Olivia Newman is her name. And um, I don't I don't know her from any other <clears throat> kind of stuff that she's done. Mm. Like, it does have, and this isn't, this is going to sound like it's, like it's, like it's, like it's really bad, but like, it, it, it had, it reminded me of a TV movie in certain respects. Because it was just so kind of like by the numbers, do this, do that, da 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 da, and you would expect a film, especially one that's going to have like a good cast like this. I mean, Reese Witherspoon is the executive producer; she was originally going to star in it, and a base audience because the book was a bestseller. That's, and Daisy Edgar Jones cast as the lead. You think, okay, we're going to have a fairly handy audience here. Yeah, like you think, okay, right, we can. <clears throat> we can give this a little bit more kind of detail. We don't have to be so rote about it. Like, you know, that kind yeah. of way. You don't have to be so shallow about it. And yet they are, so. In town, they tell the story of the Marsh Girl, the one who grew up alone in the wild. But they never really knew me. Like most stories, the facts don't weigh into it. 
Wow. Um, Simon, there'll be people listening who'll, who'll give out if I don't pick you up on something you said there. Now, you probably mm. won't want to answer it, but you said you've been involved in projects before mm-hmm. where they haven't translated in that mm-hmm. process of being adapted into a screenplay and, and some of them, in your words, mm. turned out to be muck. Do you want to share what any of those were? or is that There's, there's one kind of shiny example that I, I, I always think it was a movie I did. I don't know whether you saw it, Brian. It was a movie called, it was directed by Barry Levinson. It was called An Everlasting Peace. No. Um, so this this was made, it would have been around early 2000s and as I say, Barry Levinson directing, so that's a box ticked. Yeah. It was written by a Northern Ireland actor called uh, Brian McAvoy, um, and he it was his father's story. His father and his business partner were Belfast-based hairdressers, and the other partner is the father of two of my good friends who own the Grafton Barber. So it was the McAllister's father and Barry McAvoy's father had a business back in the day. Anyway, between the jigs and the reels and the, and the troubles, they started sending wigs to the RUC and wigs to the IRA. And it was very, you know, and Barry wrote this story, listened to the, listened to the stories that his dad and Huey McAllister were telling over the years. And Barry was living in New York, working ten and bar, working as an actor as usual. And the story goes, he'd submitted the script to various agents and studios. And the story goes, he was walking through Times Square one morning and saw on the cover of Variety uh, Steven Spielberg to produce Northern Ireland hair comedy, hair comedy. And he went, hang on a minute. And it turns out it's his movie getting made. He'd handed it to someone belonging to Spielberg at the bar one night. I've written a script here. Read it. And anyway, it gets made. Spielberg produces, Levinson directs. Great cast. Uh, Barry played the lead in uh, Brian F. O'Byrne was the partner. Uh, Billy Connolly was in it. Wow. Um, and a, plat- a clatter of Irish actors, myself included. It was one of the first movies he ever did. And I, I don't think I've ever read a funnier script. Absolute gold of a script. And then about a year later, it came out. And uh, I remember going to see it. I can remember bringing my family to see it. It was some sort of a premiere here. And it, was, it wasn't great. We, we weren't laughing. It was like a black, black comedy. And uh, just very disappointing. And I I went on to meet actors that I'd worked on the movie with over the six months and a year after. And, and I was asking, we were asking each other, did you see it? And we were going, yeah, it wasn't great disappointing, you know. And then there was all sorts of rumours going out at the time that apparently Spielberg was in the frame for a knighthood. And Spielberg had seen Levinson's first cut of the movie and wasn't happy because there was a couple of anti-British references like gags in there and you had them all taken out but it's just one of those examples of like quite honestly to this day it's one of the funniest scripts I've ever read and then when I saw the movie I went is that the movie we made? Wow. Having said that work, getting to work with Billy Connolly and watching him ad lib was quite the experience but yeah so that's that's my experience of it but I'm wondering if the movie you've reviewed just here is, is, is suffering from the same thing Brian however what is the rating you're giving us? I dare to think it's not going to be good. No, I mean, like it has it has elements <clears throat> to it that I think um, work in its favour. I think Daisy Edgar Jones was really, really good in it. Yeah. I do think there's a good story in this. I just think it was just adapted poorly. I think that's it. Like, um, I would give it uh, eight. Oh, Jesus. Oh, this, dear. I, well, eight Brian, just 20. Yeah. Just bear in mind the the Terry's chocolate orange is melted this week, so it's a bit. Yes, uh, it's, it's a little bit quite saggy and soggy. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a drink. It's a chocolate drink. And if you were to take 20 sips, you'd only have eight sips out of it for this movie. That's it. I would give it eight sips of 20. Eight sips of Melvin Terry's chocolate orange. Yeah. How have Empire Magazine not picked up on this slide? I mean, case? this is a winning format. I mean, no, listen, I mean, this like, shit writes itself. Yeah, it's it can be adapted each time depending on, on mm. the weather, what day of the week exactly. it is. Yeah. Turn it into anything. In uh, the right, winter, so we'll have to drop it higher and then it become hundreds of pieces. Yeah. It's all brittle. Anyway, sprinkles like so that's not a great review not not a great result eight out of 20 so yeah okay yeah. thanks bro no worries. you just no, stopped no, short no. there trying to work that out in any sort of a percentage simon didn't you i have no idea <laughs> i have absolutely no idea i'm still thinking about drinking hot chocolate on a day like this uh, no. Christ. Yeah. all right that's called the craw dad sing where the craw dad sing where the craw dad sing where the craw dad sing What do you know about the Sierra program? Reckless mystery men you guys send in when you can officially send anyone else. The Grey Man. Is there yes. any hope for the next movie, The uh, Grey Man? The Grey Man, yeah, no, there is. Uh, oh, God. Christ. <laughs> oh, no. Really? Yeah. Okay, you and just think about it. It's too, yeah, no, this actually really was disappointed in fairness. So this is uh, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo, who you will know did Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War. They were big network TV guys as well. It stars Chris Evans, Ryan Goslin. Netflix pumped, I think it was close to something like nearly 200 million into this. Um, and, you know, for that amount of money, you think they would come back with something that has a little bit more interest in it. Oh, no. Um Right, so the problem with this is is that the action just feels very flat and very kind of uninspired and very, very uninteresting. It kind of reminded me in a weird sort of way of Bollywood films. Have you, have you ever wow. actually gone and watched kind of Bollywood yeah. action films? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're absolutely bananas. There's yeah. lads like literally running on the top of Lewis's and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's all well and good. Um, oh, yeah, that one was filmed in Dublin, Brian, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah, a massive Bollywood Ek, film. Ek the Tiger, I think it was called, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was Jackie Chan in it? No, that's a different one. The, the different one with Jackie Chan was... Uh, oh, shit, I can't remember. I remember the Bollywood one. I think I auditioned for the part I, of the I looked up the Jackie Chan one. You, yeah. you cracked on. But anyways, yeah. So as I was watching this, um, The <clears> Grey Man, it was like, oh, wait, it was okay, so they're trying to go for a whole kind of Bollywood thing. The problem with it is, is, is that when you're watching any of those Bollywood films or even the Jackie Chan thing, like Jackie Chan was famous. He did all the, his own stunts himself. Like he broke literally every bone on his body in Bollywood. It's all about the ingenuity of it. Like for example, um, that film, uh, at the tiger, they literally had a loot. They cut off like half of a Lewis and then shoved the wheels underneath it and basically drove it all around town where there were no <laughs> Lewis tracks and your man's running around in new old stunts. So when you're watching it, you kind of, you kind of, uh, appreciate the ingenuity. Now, mm. do you know what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. The problem with The Grey Man is, is that you're watching it and you can tell <clears> that it has huge amounts of money in it, but it's still very, very uninspired. Um, it does have some interesting things to talk about. Like Chris Evans is brilliant, isn't he? He's playing this complete shithead called Lloyd Hansen, and he's got this like little mustache, and he's just he's playing like an even more. Have any of you seen Knives Out? Yes. You're right. The character yeah. that he played in Knives Out, he's playing like a more sort of enhanced steroid pumped up version of that character. And it works. Whereas Ryan Gosling is very sort of like taciturn, doesn't really say a huge amount. 
And it's just, I mean, the storyline is so feckin' bland as well. He's this secret, uh, Ryan Gosling is this secret agent who worked for Billy Bob Thornton. And now the program has been closed down and they're cleaning house. And Chris Evans' character has been sent after Ryan Gosling to kill him. It's basically like the born identity done mm. again and again and again. Um, you would think for 200 million. I mean, Anthony and Joe Russo, like these two directors, right? They were in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for ages. And if you don't know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they really have strict controls on the directors. It has to be, must be 12A. It must hit these beats and these points. It has to line up for this character and for that film and for this toy set and da 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 da. And they were really, really good at kind of hitting all those beats and still still keeping the film entertaining. Painting my numbers. But that's a, exactly that's yeah. essentially it. So you would think when they go to Netflix and they're given a truckload of money to make anything they want, they basically and a great cast and a great cast as well. Yeah. That the film that they come back with is just another paint by numbers. Effort. But again, are we back to the base material? It's the script. Yeah, the script muck. Like, yeah. I mean, but is is that like top of the list of considerations, <clears throat> or is it way down the list when they go, look, we have. Ryan Gosling as the leading man, he's got he's going to be an action hero that'll put bums on seats. You know, don't worry too much about the dialogue. We'll shoot some amazing action sequences. Blah 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 blah. It'll yeah. It'll no, you can see you can absolutely see how this was pitched as like, well, we've got Ryan Gosling and we've got Chris Evans and we end have Andy Armas. End of meeting. Yeah. End of meeting. Yep. Boom. Here's your money. Yeah. Out you go. You go. Make it. Um, yeah. And like, <clears throat> you know, it is that thing of like it has. All the it has all the the tools in front of it to make something, mm. and the expectation is way higher as a result. Like if you yeah. manage to rope in Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, and you got the directors of one of the biggest, you know, the highest grossing film ever made, and you have a studio on Netflix that are just completely open to any suggestion. They don't have to worry about it being twelve A or being PG or. Uh, tie, uh, tie in toys or anything like that. You can do whatever you want. And this is what they come back with. It just makes it all the more disappointing. Sounds a bit like The Irishman. Again, Netflix, they had a bucket full of money. Was that Netflix? Yeah, that was Netflix. What? The Irishman, yeah. though. But no, okay. I know you didn't, you didn't, neither you like The Irishman, I don't think. Oh, I, I just thought it was like, I love it. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. I appreciate The Irishman because, okay, even if you didn't like it, you could, you couldn't <clears> argue with the fact that. Uh, Martin Scorsese got to do everything he wanted to do. Yeah, but he made Goodfellas again. There was nothing different in it. I don't know about that now. I I don't know about that. I think really? this was I think this was closer to. It reminded me of a lot of Once Upon a Time in America. I thought, wow. Yeah, it was of a similar scale. The wow, idea okay. of like the life of crime over an entire life, <clears throat> fully everything, like, and the eventual. Mm. What Damn that does well. to a person in the end, like that, uh, mm. everyone goes away in the end. Like you know, it made me think of like the the, the Nine Inch Nails song and stuff. Um, but like Scorsese, I think was smart about it. He got every he got everything he asked for. He was denied nothing, and he came back with something really fresh and unique and different and very in an very hour too long. And oh yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent, completely indulgent, like absolutely, completely <clears> indulgent. <throat> I, I completely agree with you on that. 
Whereas these lads just went off and just made the same thing that they made for the past yeah. three films and did nothing exciting with it. So, yeah. Right. Well, will, I'm there, gonna sl- will there be a, a, a Grey Man 2 and possibly a Grey Man mm, I hope not. I hope not. Mm. I honestly hope not. Because if this is, if this is like, you know, the reviews for this have been generally very, very poor. And, wow. you know, if they are going to do it again, if they are going to make a sequel, give them half the budget. Give them one of the cast and get a young and upcoming director and then they'll do something interesting with it. Well, the biggest reason they'd make a remake is if it does well on the, you know, I was going to say the box office, but it's Netflix. But Yeah, and that's it. They don't even care about that. Yeah, that's the other part of it. Yeah, they're not even worried about the Netflix box office. So I'm going to throw you a a cup of tepid melted Terry's chocolate drink across the table. You raise it to your lips in a cracked mug that Aiden had back in uh, secondary school. Many subs with Simon's have. face on it. Yeah, I will take eight subs of this oh, um, very vividly, life. vividly described cup of tepid <clears throat> Terry's chocolate orange. I will take eight, eight same sips. as oh yeah. wow, eight as well. That's yeah. not great. Oh, okay, dear. so yeah, the both movies are you know they're below par. They're under fifty percent or whatever. Yeah, I mean that's the thing of it. Like, I mean it's 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 strange because you know the summer blockbuster season is well and truly upon us, mm. and you know, it's not been great. It's not no. been well. Great. Brighter days are to come, Brian. Well, that's it. I mean, like from August, from the end of from the end of uh, from the end of <clears> August, <throat> it'll be the start of Oscar season. Basically, you have the Venice Film Festival and stuff like that. So <clears> you're definitely going to see, you know, much more kind of an improvement in standards. I would think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then, like you have the you have all those great horrors during uh, October and what have you. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to do the Oscar special next year. Mm. We're going to do our own predictions. We're going to, We're going to get dressed up. We're going to have charts. We'll do it in tuxedos. It'll be great, crack. We should do it live through the night. Live, live, live. Um, the live watch along. Is that what is that what they call My it? People, God, you can watch you them watching it, kind of thing. Brian, as always, thank you for your insight. Before you go, before you go Brian, oh, the uh, yeah, the Jackie yeah. Chan movie, or should I say, movies yeah. that he did oh, in yeah. Dublin. Uh, two of them are coming up. One uh, was in 2003, released in 2003, called uh, Medallion, which yes. is a kung fu movie. And then the other one, which was a few years uh, earlier than that, is called High Binders. I remember the Medallion one. That was the one I. That was the one I was thinking of. It was the one where he jumped onto a Viking splash uh, uh, as it was going through Dublin Castle. Yeah, he like does high, one of his stunts off the Viking splash. It's brilliant. And Look it up on high, YouTube. Is High Binder set in an office? <laughs> Up in the IFSC, yeah. Oh, Lord. Brian, an education and a pleasure as always. Thank you, dear boy. Thanks a lot. What's your problem, Jimmy? Your problem is you're a piece of shit. Jimmy, come on. Jesus, Jimmy. Jimmy, come on. Come on. I asked for your endorsement and you're giving me all I asked for your apology. Who the fuck are you to apologize to? Who the fuck are you? Let's be gentlemen. I don't need this. Tony. I need this. I need you. And you need me. Right, I'm going to give you a podcast, gents. This is a strange one because since I started listening to the podcast, this topic and this subject has appeared in other things that I've seen. I've had visions. So this is a, a, a podcast called Driving the Green Book. This was a movie. Uh, let me see, 2018, it was, there was a movie made of this. So the Green Book ah. was, was first published back in, I think it was the late 50s, early 60s. And the Green Book, basically, uh, it was a map. It was a, basically a road map 
for black Americans who tra- who were traveling at the time through the country. And it was a list of all the safe towns and safe places that they could go to, safe restaurants they could eat in, safe hotels they could stay at, safe bars they could go to. Um, and the movie back in 2018 was made and starred uh, Viggo Mortensen and Marichal Ali. And it's based on a, that's based, the movie is based on a true story, uh, which was set in 1962. Yeah. And uh, Marichal Ali plays a, an, an African American pianist called Don Shirley. And uh, he is heading across the country to do a tour and he needs to hire a driver. So he hires this guy, Frank Tony the Lip Vallalonga, who's a yeah, an American, Italian-American, former bouncer. He gets hired as a driver. The stories with the two of them driving across the States and, uh, you know, gigging, uh, facing all the problems that uh, black Americans faced back in those days, trying to find safe places to stay, et cetera, et cetera. And then this podcast uh, is made by an award-winning BBC uh, journalist, Alvin Hall, and he basically gets in the car uh, with a social justice trainer and activist, Janae Woods, and they travel the route. And they're little half-hour, kind of 40-minute episodes, and you basically hear, literally hear them getting into the car and heading off. And the podcast is brilliant because it plays the music of the era. They go into these restaurants and that are marked on this map and this book, and they eat the meals that would have been served back in the day. And it's a fascinating insight back into what um what the people had to go through back in in the early 60s like you had to literally if you were a traveling salesman if you were working or whatever if you were traveling through that, those counties those states you literally had to plot your way across it so you didn't get killed you didn't get killed you didn't get abuse it's incredible but the podcast i've been diving into that and then the movie came on and i watched the movie in the same week and then I happened to watch it in a I show. I did the same time, and that was in, in like about two or three weeks ago. It was on TV. That's maybe right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was I on RTE. I think I'm a big fan of Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, and great I was like, movie. This looks interesting. Uh, and, yes, Ali is brilliant. and and the movie, as I say, is based on the actual. It's called the Green Book, and yeah. then this podcast is called Driving the Green Book. It's actually where they actually physically went and did the road, the route map. But then I'm watching one of my favorite shows, one of my guilty TV pleasures, American Pickers, which I loved with these two brothers who drive around in a van around America, and they call to people's houses, and they ferret through their barns and outhouses, and they try and find you know, treasures, and then they, they have these, they own two antique shops across the States, and they, they, you know, they buy stuff, they buy everything, absolutely everything, furniture, memorabilia, sports memorabilia, music memorabilia, uh, coins, military stuff, everything. It's a brilliant series. It's had 18 seasons on Discovery. I love it. It's great. It's a great watch. But lo and behold, they're in, they're in you know, Bumblears, Arizona, some driving through some town, and they're, they they get a recommendation to call to this lady who owns a small hotel in the town. And they call and this lady comes down and the, the hotel's now actually a museum because the hotel was featured in the Green Book. And they've restored the hotel back to what it would have been like when visitors were coming through the town, when black Americans were, African Americans were, were traveling through there, working or whatever, or gigging. Like a lot of the musicians of the day stayed there. And the lads start pining through the house and they're finding these incredible finds. And there's a little room at the back, like it like, looked like a shack. And they were saying, what's out there? And they, she brings them out and she they open this room and she says, this is the room where the bands used to rehearse. Like B.B. King, you name, you name the stars. Yeah. 
they were rehearsing that room and the old theatre cinema chairs were still there and there was a little cooker in the corner and they'd they'd you know eat out there they'd practice they'd drink out there and then they'd stay in the hotel and then they'd go and do the gig in the nearest town but they'd always come back to this hotel because that was the safe place to be mm. um so it's just it's it seems to have come across my landscape in various different With forms ways, over the yeah. last few weeks but i'd recommend the podcast because it's one of those totally immersive podcasts where the music just takes you back there straight away and you can hear them opening doors and diners and walking through. You can hear the hustle and bustle and you can hear the waiters coming down, they're ordering food and it's just fascinating. So that's called Driving the Green Book and that's available to download wherever you get your podcasts. I'm thinking about my father and my grandfather because they swore by the Green Book. Every day after Christmas, my mother would bundle all us up, and we would hit the road for New York to see our Uncle Jerome. So Dad had his green book, his little pocket Bible. We didn't find out until later years that it was because of segregation and because of fear that the book existed. That's a terrific recommendation. That sounds really, really interesting. And such a clever idea to take that from having read the book or seen the film and went, let's explore this in... uh, Exactly. in a podcast. It's brilliant. Um, I, I, can I tell you about Viggo Mortensen? I met him once. Did you know? Yeah, I did. Yeah, we got on very well. well uh, I was How and why? You know, it was a professional situation. He was promoting a movie called Hidalgo, which was about a horse. Hidalgo, and, yeah. Yeah, and Viggo Mortensen liked the horse in the movie so much that he actually bought and kept him. And we had a great old chat about horses and I was getting all deep and spiritual about horses. And he was like, hey, you, you really like horses? I said, yeah. And he goes, hang on there a minute. And he disappeared out of the chair and he came back a couple brought of minutes later in. and he brought he had the horse. <laughs> Who's bringing the horse to France, Vigo? Just, just the hoof, just the hoof. No, he had a, yeah. a, a picture book of photography of this said horse that he had taken, pictures he had taken himself of the horse, beautiful professional pictures, and had it uh, printed and bound and mounted in this gorgeous picture book of the horse and he opened it up and he wrote my name into it and he wrote a nice message he went that's for you and I was like do you do this for uh, every interviewer no. and I know Isn't he did so yeah my man Vigo have you still yeah. got the book uh, it's in the attic somewhere yeah alright you cherish it then obviously yeah it's, it's, it's at hand <laughs> on your all my other signed memorabilia that I pawned from with all the other horse years. books you have signed by famous movie stars <laughs> wow, Vito Morganson took a picture of a horse, put it in a book, signed it, and gave it to Ada. Where is it? It's in the Jays' attic. <laughs> uh, let's uh, recap our recommendations, shall we? So we had two from you, Uncle Aiden. They were? They were four lines, uh, a very dark and funny satirical movie uh, about uh, jihadis, and also um, a vague recollection of a show about why the Apollo 13 space mission uh, didn't uh, blow up and become a disaster. And that's on Netflix and it's called 13 Reasons Why Apollo 13 Didn't Blow Up or something to that Marvelous. effect. Uncle John, Uncle John gave us. Blackbird, uh, good prison drama oh. on Apple TV. You probably get a free trial if you have a look on there. Yeah. Be able to get the, the full episode. And Mindhunter. We have to go back and do Mindhunter, haven't I? Do Mindhunter. Very good. And, as, and you're to do Escape at Donna both of you. Looking check, forward check. to it. And then I gave you a podcast for your ears, uh, Driving the Green Book, which is uh, a journey through uh, the, some of the southern states of America, taking you back to the times of segregation, et cetera, et cetera. It is totally immersive. Get on it. Aiden, what have you learned this week, my boy? 
Well, I have learned the ultimate weight loss tip. If you want to lose weight, lock yourself in the smallest room in your house, soundproof a load of the walls, close the window, pull the curtains, and do that on the hottest day of the year and watch the weight come off you. Marvellous. And as any good doctor will tell you, Aiden, you keep doing that, son, and you'll go blind. See ya! (laughs) 